אתם מאזינים לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשרס, רדיו קול רמה, 102.3 FM. This is Parsa Talk, שלום. I am Rabbi Elliot Malamet, Highland Park Conservative Temple, Congregation Anshay Men, and joining me my good friends, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Salman Shechter Day School of Long Island, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanowski, Anshay Chesed, New York City. We're recording this, I think it's day 27 of the war. And we are thinking about the hostages. We're thinking about hostages that are close to the Ramah community uh, and the Schechter community, Omer Nutra, Hirsch Goldberg, Poland. And of course, all the 240 hostages. We dedicate our study to them. And uh, understanding that that study of the Torah is a kind of sanctuary for us. And we put a little footnote that uh, Rabbi Barry Chester is celebrating his birthday today. So Mazel Tov. Barry, Thank you. On, on your uh, birthday, we'll leave out the, the number. Uh, we are studying Parshat Vayera. Vayera is, um, I haven't said this in a while, it's an amazing Parsha. It's an amazing Parsha because uh, really there's so many things that go on in this Parsha, namely at the beginning of the Parsha, the visit, the visit of the three visitors to Abraham is... recovering from uh, surgery, a uh, very intimate kind of surgery. He's recovering, the heat of the day. They visit him, and uh, they have some news for him. Uh, the news is that uh, in about a year, his wife, Sarah, is going to have a baby, and she's listening from the inside, and she laughs. And uh, that laughter... prompts a, a kind of conversation between God and Abraham and Abraham and Sarah. And uh, each one kind of tries to figure out and to tell their own perspective of this. Uh, but it is a bit of a joke that she's already, she's going to be turning 90. Abraham's 100. And uh, at the very least, uh, she questions whether or not he will be able to become a father and she doesn't think that she would become a mother uh, but God God is capable of doing amazing things uh and and so and so the news is given and here's what I want to focus on um Abraham departs with his visitors and uh this is chapter 18. verse uh it's gonna we're gonna start with uh verse 16 so he's leaving with the people right nice nice uh hospitality etiquette here that Abraham is kind of escorting his visitors with them uh and then which is a lovely way that the Torah is telling us that Something is going to happen. They're looking out at the Sodom. And so I, I think what the Torah is trying to do for us here is put us on the top, on the plateau. Because Sodom is a city that is, is low. It, it's on the edge of the Dead Sea, depending on you know, which, which map you look at. It's either at the top of the Dead Sea or the side of the Dead Sea. That is to say, on the Israel side of the Dead Sea. But Eshkifal Padei Sodom, Okay, so Abraham is walking with them to kind of, you know, send them off, 
All right, we're going to study this verse by verse uh, and see what we come up. So, any any comments on on that first verse? Anything? I'm I'm just saying this is this is a nice opening of a story that gives us a kind of mental picture of a plateau, a view, and and also I think you know the a nice kind of exemplar of hospitality, right? There is this piece of etiquette that when a person visits you, you you walk out a little bit, right? Well, it is kind of curious because the last time Abraham looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, at least in the Torah, was when Lot chose it for his inheritance, leaving the rest of the land to Abraham. And it's described as being as well watered as the Garden of Egypt. Yeah. Now, we have to ask ourselves, what does Abraham know about these men that he's accompanying? They gave him some news. Does he think he's going to get, they're going to give some news to Sodom? Uh, great. Uh, great question. I don't know. Um, you know, my, my sense is that, that they, they, they have some kind of, they're, they're visiting. I mean, does he know that they're, they have a mission? Well, it's a, I don't know. You don't know. I think you could probably read it both ways. Uh-huh. I mean, but, but, go ahead. Yeah, the, uh, the the fact that that there's an augur of of uh, birth. I mean, those three guys didn't come and say, you know, we're we're traveling shoe salesmen here. I mean, they they gave him a message from heaven, so he has to know that you know he. he Got got a message from from God before, and you know, Vayomer Adunai El Abraham Kasara. God was speaking to him in the. It depends on how you interpret it, right? In in the the one way to do it is, he was talking to God, and then the three men showed up. So he stopped talking to God, and then took care of the three men, and then continued to talk to God. Or the more sensible thing seems to be that they are angelic messengers from the divine, and he is speaking into the divine realm through them. And so therefore stands to reason that the character of Abraham in this story knows that something else real important is happening. But this is well, and he also, I think, then it kind of sets up the next verse. Because... I agree. So so good. Just be, be it, it's it's it gives you that sense of why are they looking at it? That's probably there's a sense of I think it introduces a sense of foreboding. Okay. That Something is going to happen, and then that's why God says in the next verse, "Shall I hide from Abraham? Shall I leave him in suspense? Shall I wait until he sees what I am going to do, or shall I just tell him right now what's going on?" Interesting. So, Vayomer Adonai, and the the word embedded in Mechaseh is kisui, which you said is to cover or to hide. Right? Am I gonna? I'm gonna cover up something from Avraham, right? So take us into the mind of God then. Here, what? What's you know? Well, first, the first thing there's a a small grammatical point. Yes. Uh, our, our readers might know if you look. If, if our readers happen to be looking at verse 16, it's vayakumu misham vayashkifu apne Um When this is called the 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 conversive vav, it's a, it's a consecutive bunch of uh verbs and and this happened and that happened and it's called the conversive because it takes what looks like a a, a future tense verb makes it a past or it takes a past tense verb makes it future um but when the sequence of uh of 
you know, consecutive verbs, vayomer, vayomer, vayelech, vayakom, vayelech, etc., is broken with a thing where the subject precedes the verb. In biblical Hebrew, typically the verb precedes the subject, vayomer adunai, but when the subject precedes the verb, it arrests the action and stops. So you're going to read it like this. The, the people get up and they're pointing to, they're gazing towards Sodom. The Abraham holech imam leshalcham, as a, as Abraham is walking, it's not and then Abraham walked. Vadunai amar, God having said, God has already sort of said this quote unquote to God's self. Um, it's not the next thing that happens. It's 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 the condition under which this whole story is being told. That God's idea is, you know, things work out well when I consult with my human partners, okay? Abraham's a special person. We have a covenant. Um, I'm really invested in, in him and his and his family. Um, and, and verse 18, which is, uh, 18 is important, and 19 is... is well, go ahead, read, read 18 and 19. Okay. I'm going to read 18 and 19, because 19 is the kicker verse. Yeah. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? The Avraham hayo because I have promised that I know, and I, this is the plan, that Abraham is going to be a great and mighty nation, and all the families of the earth will be uh, blessed by knowing him or by his his presence and his life. And here's the here's in verse nineteen the to me one of the central verses uh, as we when we think about ourselves as Jews, what should we be trying to be? What should we be trying to do? God says, "Kiyadativ." Our JPS translation has, "I have singled him out," which is fine. But it could be a little simpler. I know him. Yedativ, ani yedati oto. Lemana sher yitzave et banav vet beto acharav. I entered this covenant with him so that he would command his progeny and his household. Veshamru derech adunai laasot stakau mishpat, and they'll keep the way of the Lord and do and do uh, righteousness and justice. Leman hevi adunai al Abraham et asher diber alav, and and when that happens, that's that then God will be able to um, bestow all those blessings of Abraham's grandeur. So to me, when I say, when I say that, that pasuk, at verse, I feel that the point of God entering this conversation is educational and aspirational for Abraham to be a character of keeping the way of the Lord and doing righteousness and justice as he is about to do. Interesting. The, the, I, I want to stop just at Yedativ. I, I like I like the the possibility of multiple interpretations of that word as chosen and as I know him. And and th this speaks to the relationship that that throughout the stories of Abraham, it's really about the building of that relationship. God has a relationship with Abraham. And maybe, maybe uh this is God kind of is not only revealing something about himself a thought to abraham there is also a revelation of something to us as readers it's a kind of double entendre have i hidden anything from the, the from abraham but i've also hidden something from the reader i've hidden why i chose him in the first place because so, we have we have some interesting things about him but there's been never never been a, a definitive answer why did you choose him so what I think we have here is a kind of divine transparency. Okay. Because a divine transparency. What's we have to think about where Abraham is in the 
the scope of Sefer Breshit, the book of Genesis. God was not all that intimately involved with Adam. He did not really teach him anything. He put him in a garden, gave him a rule, which Adam managed to break, and he kicked him out, and you know the generations descended. Even though Noah is described as Zisadik Bedoratov, a righteous person in his generation, God also does not teach him anything. He tells him, build a boat, save yourself and your family. And he gets off the boat. The world repopulates itself with animals and presumably vegetation as well. And things go downhill. And now, it's the third time is a charm. God knows that he needs Abraham, that in order for this venture of human beings to work, there has to be justice in the world. That's what's been missing. People have been left to themselves. They've had no standard that they've been taught that this is how you're supposed to live your life. Mm. They've lived it poorly, at least according to the Torah. And now God's plan is different because Abraham is singled out to be the banner of justice. And this, I think, is why God has to tell him what he's going to do. Because we have to imagine what would happen if God said nothing to Abraham. And Abraham woke up one day, looked out at the plain of where Sodom and Gomorrah was, and saw total destruction. He would conclude that God is not trustworthy. Uh, or because God. how could it be that a place was so bad that no one was worth saving? Okay. It's, it's hard for human beings to imagine such a place. So let's go on to the next verse, which is 20. Vayomer Adonai, God says, and it doesn't say to whom God says, just Vayomer Adonai. Zakat Sedom Vamora Ki Rabbah. The cry of Sedom and Gomorrah, how great it is. Vechatatam, and their sin, Ki Chavdamod, how very heavy it is. All so right? a question since we were talking about grammar before, how are we supposed to understand chatatam? Is it that there's one big sin that everyone in Sodom and Gomorrah embrace, or is it the accumulation of everyone's individual sins, which then would be chatatam? So it's chatatam. Right? right. So are we to assume there's really only one sin that plagues, as it were, Sodom and Gomorrah? They're, they're sin singular. You're pointing out that, that grammatically speaking, uh, their sin is is in a singular. Right. Um, so how are we to understand that? That's a good question. I hadn't really thought about that. Well, that's because um, we're reading it line by line. All these things. <laughs> um, it's possible and that there there are there are words in the Bible. And in English too, right? Like one fish and and thirty fish, um, you know, one deer and thirty deer. We use the same word for single and pl- single and plural. And there are words in Hebrew like mayim and damim that are plural, and we use it for any amount because water or blood is always going to be a plural. Dam and damim. Um, is it possible that chet is like that? That their sin is the cat is the quality is the category of sinfulness as opposed to stealing on this day and and beating on that day and lying on that day i have nachum sarna here the sin of sodom is the heinous moral and social corruption an arrogant disregard of basic human rights a cynical insensitivity to the sufferings of others he builds it on a whole uh, a whole essay of 
of uh, different proof texts, um, and and on it goes. So so it's one big sin that's made up of all sorts of little sins or all sorts of major sins. There, well, it's, it's like you said. You said that you use that word corruption, which corruption. is a singular noun. Yes. It means the general state of being rotten. Exactly. So corruption is defined by everybody doing acts of corruption. So it's it's all under one umbrella. So one terrible, terrible sin. It's in the next pasuk. Go ahead. In the next pasuk. Well, first of all, one of the things which we could talk about, but I think we'll maybe leave it to the side for the moment, is that this is another one of those stories where God is not portrayed in his in his Maimonidean uh, uh, splendid isolation. Of knowing everything, of being om- omniscient, God says, "Well, I gotta go. I gotta go check it out." Erdanav ereh, and let me let me go down and check out. Ha kitsa akata habaaylai asukala. Let me go check out. Is it true that um, that 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 uh, they they are all as fully wicked as the cry would indicate? Or if not, I'll know that too. But Give me your translation there. You, are, you have the JPS in front of you? or the... I will go down to see whether they have acted all together according to the outcry that has reached me. And if not, I will take note. That's the I JPS. Have... I, right. I just want to just tell you a little, a little midrash, which I think is cool. Ha-kitsa-akata. Is it the case, the ha is the question mark particle, kitsa-akata, like her cry her cry and city is a is a female word and a feminine word in hebrew so it's like the cry of that city but there's a there's a little mapik hey the little direct object um in, in the in the last letter hey with a little dot inside the hey there's a direct object marker so um is it or i guess it's, it's, that's it's not exactly a direct object. It's, it's an object marker uh is it like her cry i think shot is the city cry, but there's a midrash that um, Stone was such a terrible place that they um, that they forbade people to give tzedakah, and there was this. So now the in this midrash, her cry refer, refers to the cry of a young girl whose heart was moved to uh, sympathy, and she gave tzedakah. She gave bread to a hungry person, and the city was so incensed with her violation of their norms that they tortured her to death. So um, so. Uh, it's a really gross little story. Um, they they you know smear her in honey and they let the bees sting her to death. Um, and uh, and so the the her cry is given a particularly you know particularly poignant image of the anti-Jews. The anti-Israelites are the people who refuse to give tzedakah and they're even mad when other people give tzedakah. And we implicitly are the opposite people who are like you know our cities are all about tzedakah. So he goes down, and then it says, or he's, he's, he he declares that he's going to go down. Misham Hanashim, the 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 people that he's with turn from him. And this is this is really the the great stage describe the you know the narrator is being very clever here. The narrator has set up this 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 encounter right that God. And Abraham are going to have a conversation. Uh, the people turned from there and then went to Sodom, and Abraham was still standing before God. Okay, 
And then well, I just want to add one point here is that just as God seems oblivious to what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah until now, so is Abraham. Yeah. And so this is a teachable moment. God is instructing Abraham that his locus of concern has to be wider than he thinks. Yeah. But even though he's in his place in Eretz Israel, he has to be concerned with what goes on elsewhere. Yeah. And he has to follow God in that. Um okay, and and um so then then we'll go to the next verse here. Vaigash Abraham, Abraham comes over, Vayomer, and he said Vayomar, and he says, Af This is uh one of the most famous lines in the entire Bible. Are you going to annihilate the virtuous with the wicked? Maybe there are fifty people, 50 righteous people in the middle of the city. Are you going to destroy it? Will you annihilate it and not sustain the place for the 50 virtuous who are in it? So take me into, you know, how, how what's going through Abraham's mind here? And how is he, what does he want to do here with God? I would say that Abraham is filled with compassion. And it's unbearable to think that innocent people might be swept away with guilty people. And therefore, it's preferable, even if it is close to unbearable, to let the guilty survive in order to protect the innocent. Yeah. And Well, you know, it, that reminds me of... Uh, did, did we do one of our sessions before Rosh Hashanah and the Unitana uh, maybe, maybe we did. Did we? I don't remember. I think last year. Um, you know the uh, the the that metaphor, you know, of the of the three books: one for the holy righteous, one for the holy wicked, one for the benoniim, for the for the you know me, medium people. Um, the holy righteous scribed away for life, and the holy wicked scribed away immediately for death, and everyone else is in the middle. Presumably, that's a hundred percent of people. You know, Berosha Shana Yikatevu, Uviyom Sum Kippur, Yikatemu. On Rosh Hashanah it's written, on Yom Kippur it is it is sealed. Mm -hmm. But then it goes on and says, Ad Yom Moto Tichakelo. You actually so so the, the, the meaning of the of that poem would be something like this. Really, you gotta make your chuvat filaut staka now, um, because you have one week until Yom Kippur, ten days until Yom Kippur. But then the poem goes on and says, actually, you have until the day of your death. So <laughs> I think that the in which case I think that the vibe would be something like listen rarely and occasionally people are totally wicked and you give up on them but everybody else is in the middle and they're not given up on and they're given a, a chance to continue to work to improve so to Barry's observation it would seem to me that the thing that may be going on here is something like that I have to go check out if stone is completely worthless and completely beyond saving, or it's not that I'm going to let the people go, but it's I'm going to keep waiting for them because they they still have enough, you know, juice in them that they might get better. And and I think that the dynamic that we're going to talk about with the numbers is whether there remains some critical mass that might be decent enough that makes it worth waiting for. 
Is is the question about people or is the question about the city? We, we I read to you before we started recording this comment uh, uh, by Jonathan Grossman, an important uh, scholar in Israel, who, who says the focus here is on the city. And uh, throughout the conversation, it's about the city and the city. And even in the preamble to this uh, conversation or to the argument between Abraham and God, it's um, about the city, the, the cry of the city, the cry of these two cities. So uh, it's like, you know, New York City. It's like, and you know, when you think of the city, this the is the whole city is destroyed. Or, or uh, Jeremiah Q, a, a Bruce Springsteen song, "My City's in Ruins," right? And and um, he, what is he saying? You know, in the song, he's saying it's about the whole city. It's about the whole, the whole the whole city is broken, right? And and um, they're they're. I mean, it's the city has boundary. The city has has a, a certain kind of geographical entity, but it's also a symbol of something. I mean, no, is it people or the city? That's what I think. What would it mean if it were the city? Like it was like Nigei Habayit. Is it like the like the stones? Yeah, are somehow like, corrupt. It's like this whole city is is terrible, right? Look, I don't so, want to... I, I, you know, it's a fascinating idea and demands more thought than we could give it in a few minutes. But I don't know that we can actually separate the city from the people in the city. That they are regarded as one. You cannot destroy the city without destroying the people. I had opportunity in the class, not, I guess last week, to mention one of the great disgusting things of all time which is the neutron bomb right a bomb that was designed to kill people but leave the buildings intact so you don't have to rebuild so much after the war is over yeah um but here i think when you destroy the city you're going to destroy the people and if all the people are destroyed the city goes with it because the city is not buildings it's people I have to I have to concur with this. I don't I don't think that what's being said here, if if it's the place, it's the place derivatively because it's been so defiled by the people's immorality. Um, and and I, I concur with Barry about this that like you know what what did what did uh, what happens with the load episode? I mean, is it that it's is it like what's the metaphor? Is it toxic waste, which is the, which is what's wrong with the city, or is it immoral behavior, which is what's wrong with the people? And maybe there's some slippage that the immoral behavior creates, you know, so to speak, toxic waste. I, I want to add one more point, Elliot, if I might, and that is that we also have to keep in mind that Sodom and Gomorrah physically kind of lives on in the land around the Dead Sea, which is visible throughout the generation. So that sign of destruction of the place lasts longer than the sign of the destruction of the people. And that may be why the place is emphasized. All right. So let me, I just want to, you know, illustrate this with the point that, you know, destroyed cities take Hiroshima or take Warsaw, for example, 
A Jew doesn't go to Warsaw without thinking about the Warsaw Ghetto. Now, the Warsaw Ghetto area was completely plowed over and and destroyed, but but rebuilt. But you can't walk in there without without feeling the ghosts and feeling feeling something. In, I've never been to Japan. I've never been to Hiroshima. And and but you can't even say the word without thinking about the atomic bomb. And so. It, the city, the city has a meaning. That the the name of the city has a meaning, and the name of the city, you know, we we still use it in in our language today. Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, these are these the names of the city become symbolic for such such terrible, terrible evil and such total total destruction. And then they were never rebuilt. Sodom and Gomorrah were never rebuilt. But you know, there's somehow they have this this mythical presence in the in the in the erased they erased cities there yeah, the way you're saying it, the way you're saying it now is resonant but i think it's it remains like it, it is the symbol of a holy like w-h-o-l-l-y um worthless corrupt site of evil and that is because of the selfishness and cruelty and you know, I, I I recently was having a conversation with a bat mitzvah kid about you know meets vote and meets vote. Why do we call you know adolescent children b'nai mitzvah that they're subject to the commandments? Because we want to build you up in a set of behaviors that will make you a more virtuous person, a more honest, a more giving, a more a more tender, a more caring, more loving, more just person. And I like I. I said to her like if, if i tell you these are all these mitzvot that we expect of you let's be a certain kind of person but if i tell you listen this is a dog eat dog world out there you know do unto others before they do to you and you get ahead and don't let anybody eat your lunch that's just going to produce a different kind of person so sodom is is that place that says you know do unto others before they do to you you look out for number one don't let anybody get ahead of you fight like a dog and and look what they have. That's that's the that's the the legacy that they have. They are a symbol of that. But it, it, I'm, I'm resisting the thought that that that's more than a powerful metaphor for the wickedness of the people. Look, we you know we're we're you know I I hesitate to even go here, but but I'll go there just because we have no time left. Which is so we're witnessing now um, a war, a war that's playing out in real time where there's real destruction, and of course all of the issues that Abraham raises about the 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 death of innocence and uh shall the you know the the virtue annihilate the virtue of the wicked and and all of that discussion which is part of a larger ethical conversation about you know what collateral damage is in war and that's so so complicated here in this in this context but i'll just talk about the way that the the name gaza gaza city has already placed itself in the uh, Jewish imagination, Israeli imagination as a place that is a warn of of evil, that is, there's an underground city of tunnels where tens of thousands of people are just waiting to, to kill, and that there are hostages there, and that... The, and and this is what it is it's become a symbol it's it, in a way it, it always has been a symbol or or from a certain time has become a symbol of an impossible 
place. And and I guess, you know, the 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 sense that there's destruction going on here, uh, and it's the city. The city, the city will never be the same, uh, certainly. Uh, the way that cities are not the same after they experience, you know, tremendous destruction. That's probably as close as we can get to to this whole conversation on this, which is just fine, I guess. So difficult to talk about in so, every way. But we're thinking about uh, everybody there. We're thinking about certainly people on the front line, people who are, uh, you know, lots of graduates of our various uh, schools in Ramah, uh, friends of ours and and uh, people that we know. I know, and we talked about it last week when we were thinking about them. And so we'll end with a prayer, a prayer that um, the hostages who are being held, may they be free and may they be freed soon. And may God strengthen the hands of the defenders of Israel. And, um, and may God continue to bring a sense of... Um, recovery, a sense of possibility and a sense of hope uh, to all of us and to all of Kal Yisrael during this, uh, I think, a very, very challenging time to comfort the bereaved of the House of Israel. All of them. May God comfort them. And uh, this may, may, may study of the Torah provide a window into the possibility of, of comfort, the possibility Amen. we can have comfort. And we'll see you all uh, next week on another edition of Parsha Talk. Shabbat Shalom.